0: Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in. Welcome to So That Just Happened, a podcast for those who have lost their person and want to find themselves. I'm Carly Cooper, a single mom, widow, coach, author, and chronic truth seeker. My superpower is finding the funny, the hope, and the silver lining in any shit situation. This podcast is for the purpose of education only and is not a replacement for therapy. If you need additional support, please seek out a trained professional for help with your specific situation. Let's get to it, shall we? Welcome back, my friends, to season two of So That Just Happened. I'm so excited for the kickoff episode with Lori Kennedy. She was my business coach for probably four. Four years, I want to say. And she is incredible at what she does. And we just had a really amazing conversation that I feel is going to be really helpful for many of you. So just going to share a little bit more about Lori. She is first and foremost, a mom to her two kids. She's the founder and CEO of the Wellness Business Hub A global business development company for alternative practitioners and coaches who are starting and growing an online business the wellness business hub's mission is to revolutionize how practitioners and coaches do business so they can have flexibility freedom and financial stability while they transform lives for a living they will be achieving this by installing the online signature program method into 100,000 practitioner and coach businesses so they can have the proven framework to start, grow, and scale online. She has a gazillion links, so I am going to post them in the show notes, follow her on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. She has a podcast. She's everywhere. And I'm telling you, she is the real deal. Hope you enjoy the interview. Hello everybody and welcome to season 2 of So That Just Happened and I wanted to launch this season with someone who I have admired from afar and a close for a long time um but first of all her name is Lori Kennedy and she is one of the most truly brilliant business coaches that I've ever had the pleasure of working with and I've worked with many um but Lori, I don't even think you know this. First of all, hi and welcome and hi. thank you for doing this because I know you're super busy. You. Um, I never told you this. So here you go. In 2017, when I was sort of in that I'm building a business, it's not really going where I want it to go. I've been working with other coaches, spending a mm-hmm. shit ton, all that. Mm-hmm. Someone, I don't know who, gave me your name. I went on your website it was like, okay, whatever. But then I saw you had a podcast and I started listening to your podcast. And I didn't know you from anybody. I didn't know your work yet. But there was something about you that really resonated. And what it was for me was your no bullshit approach. However, your kindness, your empathy, your your authenticity, your transparency, all of it. And I was, I literally remember thinking, I was letting my dog outside and I was literally thinking as I was listening to this podcast, one day, I don't know when and I don't know how, but I'm going to be a guest on her podcast. And I never told you that. And like, because why would you? And I never was a guest on your podcast, which is fine. (laughs) But this is a real full circle moment for me because now you're a guest on my podcast. And maybe I just needed to think differently. But um, I'm so grateful that you're here because I know, again, how busy you are. Um, And I just admire you and your work and your journey and just who you are and how you present yourself unapologetically. So, Thank, oh, you thank you really for really paving the way for me and wow. thousands of others.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I appreciate that. And if I was still recording my podcast, I would definitely have you on, but I have taken a hiatus from that one. Okay. So well, you, you, you put out a lot of that, good stuff. Yeah. There's hundreds of episodes. I was like, you know what? We can take a little break, but Yeah. Okay. thank you for having me. My
0: pleasure. So, Why don't we just start with you sharing a little bit about your story, how you got started, where you are right now?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, It's funny because as soon as I saw you were doing a podcast and, you know, what it was called, I volunteered myself. I was like, (laughs) can I come on your podcast, please? I have so much to say about this.
0: Yeah. So this um, might be a a three-parter, but we're yeah, starting with part uh, yeah, one I now. I feel like
1: oh, we'll have to see. We'll, well, many conversations can come from this. Um, yes. So the really short version, because I've been doing this for a very long time, I've never been in the corporate world. I've been a coach in some capacity since I was 16 years old, the very, you know, short resume is I was a gymnastics coach. Then I was a personal trainer. Then I became a registered holistic nutritionist and did that full-time for seven years and, you know, figured out that I really loved the business side of it and pioneered like the online signature program model, which, you know, thousands and thousands of practitioners and coaches now use and during that time i went from getting married to having a baby very quickly to having a second kid um and while i was pregnant my marriage ending with my second kid <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah to you know needing to figure out a way to be financially resourceful for myself Uh, and I was, you know, a a contractor, I was never even an employee. So you don't, even though I live in Canada and we have, you know, great, um, maternity leave as a contractor, you don't get paid maternity leave. Yeah. And so that all happened, you know, my business blowing up and all of that happening sort of within a span of three years, getting Mm -hmm. married, having two kids, you know, figuring out it out a little bit enough to support myself. And then my marriage ending. Um, mm-hmm. so that just happened, you know, yeah, like exactly in, in a span of three years. Um and, you know, having this pivotal moment, this very vivid memory sitting on my, you know, my king size bed in my matrimonial home with my two and a half year old daughter, who's now almost 15, wow. um, and my you know, three month old son, thinking, okay. Well, I guess it's up to me and I'm going to need to figure this out and making a pact with myself that I was never going to have to financially rely on another human again for stability, you know, Mm -hmm. um, for, for financial support or whatever the case may be, because it didn't feel safe for me to do that. I had previously done that, you know, as in a a marriage, you, you do that, you know, Mm -hmm. especially given that I had, you know, two kids, Um, Who were young, and I was a contractor, and I had done that. And I was like, nope, not again. I'm not going to do that. And that is when I, you know, started to go online. So this was 2011. So I've been online since 2011, uh, a long time. And that's when I realized that the way that I was operating, Not just as, you know, a a nutritionist, but truly as a human, like the way that my mind was operating, the way that I viewed what was possible for me, the level of faith that I had, the level of resilience that I had, like I was a baby, you know, Mm -hmm. I might've been 30 years old, but I was not, um, What's the word I'm looking for? Like, I was not established. I was not grounded. I was operating like a child, basically. Well, you didn't have um, like
0: the real life experience yet, right? Right. Of like what right. you have now because you had all the things that happened to you. Yeah. And at that point, yeah. you hadn't
1: had that yet. But I also think it's a choice, right? I think 100%. it's a choice too to thrive. You know, there's two options. You're either a victim or you thrive. Like, that's it right totally agree. and i was not going to be a victim of my circumstances and so the other choice was to thrive and that's what i did <laughs> so and you definitely you know, did <laughs> like and i did you know yeah. and i yeah. did um i often say that that my success was you know part trauma response and mm-hmm. part ambition <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah um, well we did can, you we find dive into that... that a little bit
0: yeah. Cause I was going to say like, you know, did you find that the trauma response part was the distraction of not having to face it and not having to deal with it and, and being able to throw yourself into something that feels productive and it is. Um, mm-hmm. but did you feel like that was what propelled you into it?
1: I didn't know it at the time and yeah. I didn't know, listen, I was 30. I had two little kids. So for context, I'll be 41 next month or 42, sorry, next month. Um, I didn't know what trauma was. I just knew that I didn't have, I just knew that it was up to me. I didn't know like what trauma was or what a trauma response was while it was happening. Mm -hmm. I only sort of figured it out after. Um, And I do think my circumstances are slightly different because... Um, the co-parenting relationship was tumultuous and not always stable. So I didn't have, you know, although we had, you know, joint, it wasn't as, it wasn't a stable, um, situation that I was in. Um, and so I never knew from one sort of one moment to the next, what was going to happen. Um, and I think for me, because my kids were babies, I just had to keep in motion. I just had to keep going because if I stopped, yeah, I would have probably had a nervous breakdown. Yeah, uh, and so I think the motion, literally physically in motion, from like waking up, taking care of the kids, going to work, working, working with clients, coming home, taking care of the babies, like going to bed. Like I did not sit down for a decade. (laughs) Like (laughs) I didn't stop. And I know a lot of parents out there can relate to that, but when you are a single parent and the other parent isn't necessarily available to you, um, you are alone.
0: Well, and I can relate to shouldering that. Shouldering <laughs> the
1: emotional, the physical, the financial, the whole nine. Right. And so I think the motion of it kept me going. And also, can I swear? Is that yes, allowed? I please. Yeah? yeah. OK. Go. So I had this like, fuck you energy that mm-hmm. was like, you don't get to fuck me like this. I'm going to prove to you and everyone else that I can do it. And that Anger and that like energy fueled me. And sometimes anger can be a f- a force for good if you can channel it. Yeah. Did I yeah. have resentment? Sure, but like I really channeled that anger, and I used it.
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah, and yeah, and I think that you know, again, I don't know the ins and outs of your day. I just see you know from working with you and your and following you and your stories and all the things that like you really do give a glimpse into your life and you're super vulnerable and raw and real and it gave me permission and I'm sure thousands of others to do the same about my personal journey and you know I wasn't ready to talk about it for a good year I actually like completely unplugged and all of that but I know what you mean and I can relate about you know obviously different circumstances but mm-hmm. I'm a single parent now and I don't have somebody else to rely on in that way mm-hmm. and I totally like I remember actually you and I having a conversation because I think at the time I had just enrolled in like another program that yeah. you had just launched and I was going to take it to the next level yeah. and and then this just happened. <laughs> and <laughs> I remember it was in July Um, or, yeah. yeah, and you were kind enough to get on the phone with me and just be like, yeah. you know, because I was like, look, like, I can't, I don't have the bandwidth to do yeah. this program. I, you know, like, yeah. I don't care about a refund or anything. I'm just telling you that I can't show up because that bothers me. Like when I commit to something, I'm all mm-hmm. in. And I yeah. knew I couldn't be and- all in. And And you had
1: people relying on you at that point. Like you had clients, like you were working with people.
0: Yeah, Yeah, I was. And I, Mm -hmm. you know, so we talked about like the strategy side of like closing down a business or just Mm -hmm. stopping it for a while. And I remember you Mm -hmm. saying, because, you know, on your program, I was like following the steps and doing all the things and posting X amount of times a day, like a week or whatever. And I remember you saying, you know, can you financially afford to take like nine months off or whatever it was? And Mm -hmm. I was like, yeah, I guess, but like, I couldn't wrap my head around taking a break for like a day, Mm -hmm. (laughs) like, cause I was all in prior to this and you were like, you need to do that. And I really appreciated that because especially coming from you, who is someone who is so driven and you know, strategy based and like intentional and all the things for you to say to me and give me that permission that no, you need to take care of your shit right now. Like your personal stuff, Mm -hmm. the business can wait or not, but like, it's okay. And Mm -hmm. not only did I, I couldn't even wrap my head around nine months. I took over like 18 months. (laughs) I was like, I'm really taking that idea to heart, but it, you know what? I needed it. I needed it. And I'm also somebody like you who I won't show up for people if I don't feel like I can, like I'm not interested in taking someone's money. I, right. I need to really feel like I'm going to be of service and helpful. And if I'm not, then yeah. I'm out. And yeah. so I really appreciated that. Yeah. That advice.
1: Yeah. Um... I remember where exactly where I was when we had that conversation, I was in a parking lot. I was like on my way to pure later and I just were <laughs> pulling over in the parking lot and just chatting with you. And, you know, I think that you being able to do that is obviously a huge privilege, you know, of not course. everybody who has, you know, did that just happen moments can do that. Um, You know, I, I think that I, for, you know, for those people listening who are either like going through it, like, did that just happen? You know, for me, I obviously didn't have the financial means to be able to do that or believe me, I would have, yeah. um, you know, but I got really good at compartmentalizing. And I think that's a learned skill. I got really good at compartmentalizing because I had these two kids that I couldn't be a wreck for. You know, I, I had these two kids, they were obviously little. I think that if I was to sort of take the lid off, I, I wouldn't have been able to recover. Like everything that was going on for me was so intense and it was so much. And I did feel so alone and I felt so isolated that if I could go back, I wish that I would have gotten myself some support so that I could have like contained breakdowns. Yeah. Because I didn't do myself a service by not dealing with it. Like, sure, I cried, but it was more out of frustration and fatigue versus like actually acknowledging what was going on. And maybe again, it was part of the fact that like I was in such a traumatic state and I didn't even know it. Like I thought I was coping fine. Like I didn't realize, you know, like I thought I was like, I'm good. I got this. But but like and I did. Like I did, I had it, but I, I, I wasn't healing. Like there was no healing. There was just like getting through the day and keeping in motion that it wasn't honestly until mm, a couple years later that I started going to therapy. Um, And there was a period of time where I was in therapy for like three or four days a week because it was just so much that I had, like condensed down that i was struggling to keep up with the feelings of it all that i needed to like be in therapy um like every other day
0: <laughs> yeah
1: to be able to handle all of the stuff that was going on
0: so it's interesting that you bring this up because obviously, you know, I did this podcast and and the intention is to help people navigate their way through and get back to themselves after they've lost a person. I have obviously lost a person through death. You've lost a person through divorce. And I think there's probably, you know, a lot of people listening to this who have lost their person through divorce. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, while I can't speak to that, um, it is grieving still the loss of Mm -hmm. a dream, an idea, a family, um, plans, you know, life as with two people managing a family. So, yeah. Can you speak to Grief and losing somebody through divorce because I can't speak to that.
1: Yes. So I might cry a little bit. That's Um, okay. The most interesting part about this whole journey for me is that I actually didn't even use the word grief until about a year ago. I used the word sadness. Mm -hmm. I was sad. So sad and grieving are two different things. So because I wasn't sad all the time. I was sad in increments, right? I was sad when there was holidays and my kids wouldn't get to experience it as a family. I was sad when I saw other families do things. There was like a longing of like, and a sadness, but I didn't understand grief. Like, mm-hmm. and grief, at least for me, is deeper than sadness. Grief is something that, and this is where I'm going to cry. Cause it's still true. I mean- I've been divorced for longer than I've been married at this point. Mm-hmm. Right. So like we reconciled for a year, whatever. Um grief doesn't go away. Mm-hmm. It doesn't go away. There's no moving on, there's just moving forward. Exactly. And when I understood that, I actually healed quite a bit. I was because I was trying to heal myself. I was trying to to not to 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 not have grief. I was trying to to fix my, I kept looking, what is the therapist that's going to make me not feel this way? What is the movement that's going to make me not feel this way? What is the supplement? What is the detox? What is the the, the date, the sex, the whole nine? When I didn't realize that there is a part of me that will always grieve, even in a new relationship. There's a part of me I made children with this man. We were supposed to have a lovely life together. He was supposed to be my person. we had all of these plans. I was building my business. He was for a time, a part of it. You know, we had all of these plans of like traveling and doing all of these things. I was sad. I knew to be sad that that wasn't going to happen, but I didn't understand the difference between sadness and grief. Again, sadness is temporary. I'm not sad all the time, but I am there's a part of me that is constantly grieving constantly yeah. and it doesn't take over my life anymore, but I was trying to shut it down and turn it off. Yeah. And until I realized that that is not a thing that there is no moving on, there is no often on switch. There is just moving forward with the part of me that grieves my marriage ending, that grieves the sadness that, the life that him and I promised to each other is not going to happen, even if, and I'm not in a relationship, but even if I was to be in a relationship with another human being, I'm still going to grieve the fact that that first marriage, that first life that I had very intentionally designed did not transpire the way that I had thought that it would. That mm-hmm. grief never ends.
0: Yeah, I agree. and But I do think that it can soften and it can 100%. be a lot less intense in, than yes. initially and yes. and it it starts to look different right yes. and um and it's interesting it's like when people come up against you know fear or anxiety for example mm-hmm. and you know as somebody who yes. suffers anxiety like i feel yes. like for so long of my life i was trying to do all the things to never feel fear again, never feel anxiety Uh again. And it's not until you say like, no, these are human emotions and these are things that like, they're never go you can't just flip a switch and never feel it again there's actually a, a purpose for feeling these things because uh-huh. it alerts you and it, it keeps you out of danger and like you know yes. it, it shows you when you're yes. out of alignment and all of those things but so it's it's only until you can really start to embrace that this is part of the journey but it doesn't have to bring you down but like don't 100%. try and deny
1: it right that's what I did for a decade yeah I denied it I, I was trying to, I was trying to shut it off. I was trying to use all of these because I actually didn't understand grief. Again, like for me, I, that was my journey. I actually never grieved. I never allowed myself. I didn't know to, right. You know, I didn't know to grieve. Sure. I was sad, but to me, that feels different in my body. Um, yeah, and it's like nothing, so- a pint
0: of ice cream can't heal. <laughs>
1: Exactly, sad. right? So, like I'm sad. Yep, I'm sad. That's sad. Okay, that's sad. Grief to me is deeper. And so I never did that. And so it actually took me a decade. And throughout that whole, I would say the later half of the decade, I was trying to shut it off. Like, I'm not healed. I'm not healed in quotes. Like, how do I heal? How do I heal? Like, I still don't feel good. And I think for me, understanding that there's just a moving forward with it. And that once you sort of surrender to it and allow it and move with it and appreciate it and just allow it to be there, it does soften. It does. It's it lingers, but not all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and that like something happened once I understood grief and to grieve, um, the healing that i was looking for the moving forward that i felt like i couldn't do like i was stuck it just the floodgates opened yeah and it was just in the allowing of deep grief the allowing of the ending and the sort of the finality that that life that i had never that i had wanted i was really you know it was really a sad that i wasn't gonna get it and so i grieved that like i grieved for my children that they will never see their parents kiss Mm -hmm. you know what i mean like that's sad like yeah no one wants that you know what i mean like my my kids my son will never see his mom and dad kiss yeah that's wild to think about you know and and so there was all of this stuff that i was just like shoving down and so really working with someone who could who could support me in the grieving um, was, I think, life-changing for me. So what did
0: grieving look like for you when you allowed yeah. yourself to do it?
1: Yeah. Um, it looked like slowing down, actually. It looked like stopping the motion. Mm-hmm. It looked like sitting still anywhere, Whether that was whenever it hit me, I stopped before I would feel it. And I would just like power on On onto the next, like, let's go. Like I would not allow it to live. And so the simple recognition of feeling the grief in my body, which sometimes felt like sadness, which sometimes felt like anxiety, which sometimes felt like longing, which sometimes felt like resentment, whatever that is. Instead of just staying in motion, I stopped and I actually just sat with it. And sometimes I cried. Sometimes I was angry. Sometimes I journaled. Sometimes I did nothing. And I just sat there and I just sat there and I was like, this sucks. Like I just (laughs) sat Mm -hmm. and I was like, yeah, like literally this sucks. And I didn't call a friend, you know, like I sat with it. And that for me was huge, really sitting in the discomfort of the grief and crying if I needed to cry, screaming if I needed to scream, and sort of allowing the intensity to fade. And then for me, it was moving the energy out of my body. So sometimes I would literally like wiggle and shake, like I would just move like a string bean. Sometimes I would walk, sometimes I'd put on music and dance, but I had to get the energy out of my body. Yeah. Um. And so it was really just allowing, like acknowledging and allowing and being still with myself and then moving the energy out of my body. And then really there's two things. One, it was really journaling. It was asking myself questions and writing down the answers. So like asking myself, you know, why do I feel resentful and just processing it um, in the journal? Um, I'm a verbal processor. So normally I would just talk to myself out loud. Um, and actually I want to share something really funny and helpful perhaps to those listening in, in a second about that. But the other thing that I did was I really worked on my nervous system, like wholeheartedly. My nervous system was jacked. I, and, and that showed up as waking up in the middle of the night that showed up as hair loss that showed up as waking that showed up as rage that showed up as anxiety for me. Um, I worked on my nervous system a lot, like more than I think I ever have. Um, because I had to reset it. My brain was addicted to catastrophic thoughts Mm -hmm. and I had to reset my nervous system. And so this all sort of happened as I started to understand what grief was and how it affects the nervous system and how, you know, long-term trauma affects the nervous system in my case. Um, and I had to do that work, uh, which I've done, um, and continue to do. Um, but that I think it's is so easy. important.
0: Yeah, I think yeah. it's so important to say all that and thank you for for being so transparent about all that. But, um, it's so true, especially for, you know, I consider myself a type A highly ambitious. I mean, I was before. <laughs> I'm different now. but, you know, like wanting it all. and I think so many women out there right now, you know, with all the like, Boss bitch babe stuff. Uh-huh. And like, you know, so many of us are operating from this masculine energy of like pushing and going and ambitious and grinding and hustling and all the things. And there's nothing wrong with that. But I think that for in my case, I had like no female energy at all, which is like or feminine energy, which is like, you know, being more in the flow and like nurturing and like, I mean, I I always did the self-care and I, and I like myself and it wasn't like from a yeah. place of like, you know, I, I'm just going to berate myself. Like I I did all the things that I thought was self-care, but yeah I was operating from this real masculine energy of like pushing and like plowing forward. And I think for me, I had to really get in touch with the feminine energy side of it and just allowing Mm. myself to be and surrender. And like, even when I wanted to go, because I also immersed myself in distraction. It wasn't with work, but it was in you know, dealing with the business side of death first and like doing all those things. And there's a ton to do. And then it was, um, decluttering my house and renovating and all the things. And so for Mm -hmm. seven months, Mm -hmm. I was fully in that go, go, go distraction mode. And then it was like in January, which is like where we are the dead of winter, super depressing, dark, whatever. That's when I had to sit in my mud. And I was like, Mm -hmm. oh, and I was working with a, a different coach at the time. And she's like, have you allowed yourself to be angry? And I'm like, I don't even know what that looks like. Because yeah. for me, I was always, you know, mindset coach and this, and I was always like, you know, trying to not always positive affirmation, my way out of things, but uh-huh. like find the silver lining. And like, yeah. I know what it's like to be in the negative energy for too long. And I think that sometimes yeah. that is to our detriment because percent we have to allow ourselves to feel and to be in the shit and to, to hate life and be a victim for five minutes. Like I've often said so many times to like people who I can go super deep with. I'm like, okay, I know better. I know what you're going to say to me because I've said it a thousand times, but I just need to be a victim for five minutes and I just need to get it out because I do know better. But I also think it's important to be real about your feelings, Mm -hmm. even if you know that they're not justified, (laughs) you know, but they are because you feel them. So yeah. What would you say to your younger self, like when this happened, like to who you are now to who yeah. you were then, like what advice could you give and and how would you have done it differently if you would have done it differently?
1: The thing that came to my mind is take better care of yourself, like take better care. And what I mean by that is for me, I I think I punished myself by staying in motion. Like, I think I punished myself unknowingly. Mm -hmm. Like now that I like have perspective, right? Like I think that I used the working and, you know, always being busy and always, you know, go, go, go as a means of sort of punishment, maybe for feeling like I fucked up my kids a little bit. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like almost like an undeserving, like I don't deserve whatever it was at the time. Right. Like I have to do this. I have to make money. Like this isn't about me. This is about them. Like I have to be okay for them. Like I did not, me as Lori, as a human almost wasn't a factor. Like it was, I have to be good for the kids. I have to be good for work. I have to, you know, clients are needing me. Like I did not, care about or for myself in the way that I should have. Um, and it showed up in, you know, nervous. I don't know that I ever, um, I don't know that I ever like burnt out in that sense. Cause I don't think like that, but my body certainly started to show signs that it wasn't functioning optimally. Mm-hmm. Um, my body was showing the signs of stress And I think that I delayed a lot of my own happiness and healing because I refused to take care of myself. Um, And I don't mean eating well and like moving. Yeah. I mean, actually doing the deep work. Um, And it's only been in the last, I would say a couple of years and more specifically in the last year that I really feel like I've made. Like significant changes, and have f- never felt better and never felt more like myself, and more grounded, and more healthy, and more well. Um, and 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 more, um, um, what's the word caring about myself? Yeah, um, than I have ever. And I do think that it was because I. I really started to acknowledge what went on and and sort of just decided also for those of you that are, you know, past the, did this just happen? And you're, you know, in your later years, I sort of just decided that that was then and this is now. Yeah. Right. That was then. And that happened. Like, did that just happen? It sure did. It sure did for a decade. You know,
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it sure did. <laughs> yeah.
1: Um. And that was then. And this is now. And I am moving forward with with all of that experience, but I'm not the same person that I was then.
0: Yeah, exactly. I am not
1: the same Lori that I was then. I am me, Lori, now, having gone through all of that. But it's almost like a clean slate where I get to move forward with all of that from where I am now. But that was then and this is now.
0: Yeah, I totally get that. I feel the same. Like I I haven't changed entirely, but who I am today versus who Mm -hmm. I was two years ago Mm -hmm. is very different in many, many ways. And I say it's like a second chance that I didn't ask for, um, but I'm going to take it, you know, because I, for a million reasons, you know, because I too feel like I am, you know, I had a choice and it was either to give up and go in the fetal position or, mm-hmm. and which if people do that, I get it. I totally understand that. It's mm-hmm. just not how I'm wired. And yeah. I just, I couldn't do it and I didn't want to do it. And, you know, it doesn't mean that every day is easy and amazing and, you know, mm-hmm. flawless, if anything, it's not quite the opposite, but, yeah. um, but, yeah, you you and I look, I think without having the so that just happened moment, I think everybody should be constantly checking in and evolving and growing and changing from, you know, if you're the same person who you were in high school, like, yes, there's work to be done there <laughs> because I don't think anyone yes. should peak in high school. like, I really don't know <laughs> so no,
1: absolutely
0: you're, you know, so you're a single mom. you're you've got a super successful business. Um, you have a lot of things to juggle on the daily. What would you say gives you, like from the version you are now, what gives you the most energy or what fuels you?
1: Um, the vision that I have for my future, I would say. Mm-hmm. The That I think in this moment in time, if you were to ask me yesterday, I might have had a different answer but i think i'm just i'm really excited about what's coming and i don't even know what's coming i'm just really excited about it um i mean i know a little bit about what's coming cuz i i'm very intentional about my life um but i'm excited you know it's interesting right doing this work doing the healing like the grieving the whole nine i'm excited to become sort of this version that attracts the kind of person that I want to be in a relationship with. Yeah. You know, um, I'm excited to experience that. I'm excited to figure all of that out. Um, Obviously I've dated and nothing has really stuck long-term. And I'm excited for that. I'm excited for my, you know, to spend these next couple of years with my kids, you know, they're 15 and 12. Mm -hmm. Right. I get like, I'm excited for the trips. I'm excited for just, I think that's, what's fueling me right now is the fact that I've, you know, worked as hard for as long as I have that I get to like really enjoy this time. Yeah. And I'm going to take it because I don't think there's anything wrong with grinding. I don't think there's anything wrong with working really, really hard. I think there's something wrong when you also don't know how to sit in the stillness, when you don't enjoy your own company, when Mm -hmm. you don't know how to completely disconnect. That to me, that's where the problem is because I am all for working a 16-hour day. I am all for grinding, but I'm also all for being able to disconnect and live and sit and enjoy my own company and sit in the stillness. You have to be able to do both.
0: I agree. And and again, I agree with the working hard and all of that. I think though, when people do it to escape feeling things Which I or to do yeah. under other things, yeah, um, or using it as a distraction and they're burning themselves out and they're avoiding, yeah. I think that's yeah. when it becomes an imbalance. Yeah. So I agree. I think you need to have the both, like work really hard so you can play really hard and enjoy the life, you know, and and I love that for you. I love that. Um, So is there anything, you know, I know just from following you, listening to you, working with you, I know that you're also like me, a highly sensitive empath and we feel things hard. And it's also often a blessing and a curse, Uh (laughs) I say. Um, So what are some things, if anything, I'm sure there are that, Mm -hmm. that still drain you?
1: noise drains me. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Like noise drains me. Um, there's so many, I don't want to say there's so many things that drain me. Noise really drains me. Um, like just being in the noise drains me a lot. Um, things that drain me are when I think people just are, not they're just like going with the flow like and I don't mean they're like super chill I just mean like things that drain me are when I have to wait in line because nobody thought to like look under the stall to see if there were any (laughs) empty stalls and they're just like sheep you know the one person gets in line and then the other person gets in line like that kind of stuff drains me like that's annoying so like that drains me um say doing things that I don't want to do, but because I feel bad drains me. So I don't even do that anymore. Really? I say no to a lot of things. I'm, I'm quite a hermit actually, because I've, I've learned what I, what my tolerance is. I have about a three hour extroverting window. And if I'm having a good time, you know, fine. But typically I have about a three hour window. And that's it. And I've just accepted that. So the things that drain me are the things that I do against my better judgment because yeah. I feel guilty or I feel bad because I'm still human. Mm-hmm. Um, I say yes when I should say no. You know, those things drain me um, yeah. and noise. Noise drains me a lot.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'll be I'll talk quieter.
1: Um, So what would you
0: say that you're the most proud of, of like whether it's business, whether it's family, whether it's just how far you've come, you know, where you are now to where you were, what are you so proud of yourself for?
1: Um, This might sound a little funny, but I am so proud that I am sober because Mm. for, and not that I had a problem, but I'm sober by choice. Um, and that I don't weigh 250 pounds. I'm proud (laughs) that no, like for real, I'm so proud that I don't have an addiction. Mm -hmm. Um, because given the stress and just all of the stuff that I have been exposed to over the last decade, I made a very deliberate choice in 2019 to just be sober. Um, I move my body. I'm not overweight. I'm strong. I, you know, most days don't use food as an emotional support (laughs) tool. Most days, Mm -hmm. some days I definitely do, but most days I don't. Mm -hmm. I've been able to maintain my weight within 10 pounds of like Mm -hmm. a happy place. Like that, I think that the fact that I don't have an addiction, the fact that I don't drink, the fact that I don't do drugs, the fact that I don't, I'm not overly dependent on food. Mm -hmm. um as like a coping um even though I have so many other things that I could say that I'm proud of I think choosing to be sober and not um although I could have maybe said work at you know in the early days was an addiction but I would say in the last um four to five years choosing to be sober choosing to slow down. choosing to be still um is, I think, the thing that I'm most proud of because i I went through all of the things. Um, I think that's huge.
0: Sober. I do <laughs> I know I, it's funny you say that because I would I would never if if someone asked me that question, I wouldn't have answered that way, but I could answer that way, right? And I think about it. And I've often said, like, I can't believe I did, like, all of COVID and all of like Mm -hmm. what I went through and the grieving and the loss and all of that. Like, I'm not saying I never had a drink, but like, it's not my go-to. Like, it's not how I'm going to numb out. You know what I mean? Like I would numb out with Netflix and a puzzle instead. You know what I mean? And that just felt like better to me and like my form of it. But, and same thing, like with my weight and my food or whatever, like, yeah, I could answer it the same way, but I would have never thought to answer it that way. So thank you for that. Because now yeah. I have an answer if anybody asks me that. Yeah, <laughs> um, amazing. So what advice would you give to other highly ambitious single moms out there, whether they're widowed, divorced, whatever, who are, you yeah. know, they want it all. they They just yeah. are having a hard time slowing down. What advice would you
1: give? Yeah, here it is you probably feel so alone and so isolated and so pissed and so sad. And there's so much grief and there, it's just a lot. It's a lot. And no one, you'll never get a thank you. You'll never get a, at a girl you're doing a good job. And even if you do, it's, you know, fleeting. Um, you have to figure out a way to pat yourself on the back And not from alcohol and not from shopping and not from a crutch. Like you genuinely have to be able to do that for yourself. And the fact that you even have to figure out how to do that for yourself fucking sucks. Yeah. Because that's not how it's supposed to be, but that's how it is. And so that's what I did. I figured out for myself, which, you know, you said something like about anger and like, I don't even know what that looks like. I said that to my therapist when she was like, you have to do self-care. I'm like, I'm not taking a fucking bath. Yeah. <laughs> like that's not, she's like, that's not self-care. Like that's ridiculous. So like y- you have to figure out how to support yourself. So the way that I did it was, and I learned this from a guy named Brendan Burchard, mm-hmm. and I don't remember what book it was or whatever, but he said, if you use your name, it tricks your brain. So I used to say to myself all the time, I still do, all the time, Lori, you're doing a great job, Lori. Mm-hmm. And you have to use your name and you have to say it out loud because your ears have to hear it. So it's like, Lori, you are phenomenal. Lori, you're doing a great job. Lori, you are doing a great job. Like you are do I put my hand on my heart and Lori, you're doing a great job. You're doing a great job because that is the only way Yeah. because nobody is going to say thank you. Nobody is going to tell you you're doing a good job. You know, there's nobody around to tell you that. And everybody's caught up in their own
0: stuff. They're not paying attention to you. No.
1: And so that would be the advice that I would give to you. It sucks that that's the advice I have to give to you, but that's the reality of the situation. And you're on your own. It's not good. It's not bad. But you have to find a way to give yourself the level of support that a partner is supposed to, in air quotes, give to you because you're not going to get it until you get it until you find somebody new or whatever whatever the case may be but if you're in that place right now that is my advice
0: i think it's great advice and i will add to that um because it was something that i had to learn was to ask for help when you need it and whether that's from like a therapist or you know a friend or whatever and it's still very hard for me because i'm a better giver than i am a receiver but yeah. or, or or not even necessarily always asking for help but Trying to articulate what you need. And sometimes in that moment, it's like, I need nobody yeah. to talk to me right now.
1: Or I need exactly.
0: yeah. to be able to just be in a shit mood yeah. and like isolate myself and yeah. understand it or don't, but mm-hmm. this is where I'm at. And I think that form of advocating for yourself is also a, a huge form of self-care. Right. Yeah. Like being able to speak to that. I know that your time is is up, but one other thing that I wanted to say as you were saying about doing a good job the song from alicia keys popped into my head called good job mm. and i recommend everybody listening to this and you included um to google that song good job by alicia keys because and and play it and dedicate it to yourself because it when i first heard it like it makes me cry still because it's just mm. it's almost just like an anthem to just be like I don't care what your situation is. Yeah. You're doing a good job and just mm-hmm. rem- and put your name in front of it. <laughs> yeah. Lori, good job. So thank you so much for thank sharing so much. and being you and all that you do and all that you are. And thank you, thank you. I'm so grateful for this time. And uh, yeah, I just wish you the best of luck in all your future fun likewise. things.
1: Likewise, likewise, likewise. All right. Bye for now. Bye. All right, my friends, thank you so
0: much for listening to this So That Just Happened podcast. I really hope you found value in this episode and that you're walking away with at least one golden nugget that you can implement or feel inspired by. I would be so grateful if you would share it with one friend or family member who is committed to moving forward and transforming their life. Make sure you subscribe so you can catch every new episode and please leave me a review. It would mean so much to me. Also, follow me on Facebook and Instagram at, at Coach Carly. Thanks again for listening, and I'll see you in the next episode.